This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Clean Cause. Grab a Clean Cause organic sparkling herba mate and get your day going with 160 milligrams of caffeine that won't cause crashes or jitters uh, or make you feel weird like coffee, some of the other energy drinks might do. Uh, Clean Cause is low in calories, it's low in sugar, it comes in five great flavors. Uh, but here's the best part every sip makes a difference in the fight against addiction. Clean Cause donates, check this out. I know I said this uh, every podcast, but it's still unbelievable to me. They donate not 5%, not 10%, not 20%. They donate 50% of net profits to support individuals in recovery from drug and alcohol addiction. So every time you buy a a Clean Cause or a case, uh, you order their monthly uh, subscription that gets shipped right out to you. Um, half of those net profits go to support somebody who's looking for help from alcoholism or addiction. So it's just an awesome cause. Uh, so here's what you can do. You can head on over to cleancause.com and you can get 20% off your order today with promo code SOBERGUY. That's cleancause.com. Enter the promo code SOBERGUY at checkout and you will save 20%. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Ramier. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. If it's your first time listening, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here today. You can find more podcasts, more resources. You can also contact us by going to thatsoberguy.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at that sober guy podcast. All the links from today's episode will be in the show notes, so they're easy for you to find. I'm so excited to have our guest back on the show today, man. He was an early guest back on episode 168. So, man, quite a while ago, and uh, he's got a hell of a story that we're going to talk about today. It's one way to put it, I guess. Um, and uh, just, uh, you know, the focus today for those of you out there, and I hear from many of you who struggle with relapse in in and out or back and forth, or maybe you put some time together and then all of a sudden something happened and it, it kind of fell apart. And um, and John today, John, John Mayberry is just, uh, he's our guest obviously, but he's got just a great story to share today. And uh, we're not gonna waste any time. I wanna jump right in with him. Uh, John, like I mentioned, episode 168, it's been a while, but a lot has happened uh, since then. And uh, really excited day to have you back on the podcast, man. How are you? Hey, great. So much, uh, such an honor to be back here. Thanks so much for uh, having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. When you when you originally reached out, because we haven't talked in a while, and I go, wait, I, I know John. Like, wait a minute. I had to, it. Kind of took me a second. I went back and I looked. I said, yeah, that is John. And so, um, like I mentioned to those out there listening, I'll link the previous podcast if you want to go back and listen to the first one and then follow up on this one. But quite a bit has happened in between then. Um, maybe John, let's just start. Give us a quick rundown of um, of your background, um, and then um, it, just tell us a little bit about yourself so folks out there can get to know you. Yeah, so my name is John Mabry, grateful uh, recovering alcoholic addict. Um, I am saved by the grace of God. It's the only reason I'm sober today. And uh, so, yeah, it has been a, a wild ride. Uh, I'm going to breeze through some of the early stuff just so that people can go back to the first podcast. But um, let's get to, uh, let's just go through it. So, I was born and raised in Texas, had a great childhood, great uh, family support system growing up. Um, however, later in life, after some traumas happened, I realized I had childhood trauma. I had ear surgeries as a kid. And um, when I had these other traumas as an adult, this trauma therapist goes, I don't care what happened to you later in life. I care what happened to you as, as a kid. And I was like, what, you know, I didn't even tell anything about my childhood, but she goes, something set the tone early on for how you reacted later on in life. 
And what it was, was these ear surgeries, a transplanted eardrum, three prosthetic bones, my left ear. So I felt defective and broken and insecure and I'm not good enough and I'm unworthy as a child. But uh, I'm, I'm managed by being the class clown. Most uh, senior year in prom in high school, I was named class clown, most outgoing, most school spirited and best personality. And it was all just a cover up for how insecure I felt underneath, you know, wow. um, once, uh, uh, I went to college, uh, college was manageable, uh, communications major at Baylor university in Waco, Texas, go Baylor bears and had a great experience there. Senior year was, um, amazing in some cases and completely tragic in others. So senior year, I was working as a videographer for the football team. So I was, I got the same scholarship the football players got, uh, for doing video work as a communications major. I was dating a cheerleader who was our fraternity sweetheart. I was social chairman of my fraternity, you know, all over campus, all over the place, making some money, doing well. And a uh, tire blew out in a friend's car. We we're coming back from a spring break trip out of uh, New Orleans, back to Waco. And I'd set up this big uh, cruise for like 35 of us. We went and had this you know, amazing time. We're on our way back. No drinking or driving, just a freak deal. Tire blows out in a friend's car. We roll witness reports, say, between eight and 10 times across I-45 outside of Houston, Texas, um, in a small town, Centerville. We roll across the median, across the other side of the interstate, missing oncoming traffic as we were rolling and landed in a field. Um, my legs got crushed. I'll just kind of breeze through the story. My legs got crushed. They had a helicopter come land on the side of the interstate after shutting the interstate down. Traffic stopped on both sides. And we um, uh, took my friend Ashley off in the helicopter and she passed away before they got her to the hospital. So we had that happen. I had 14 procedures that next year on my right leg, um, ended up amputating um, my leg below the knee. If anybody's watching video, here's my prosthetic uh, leg uh, that I'm fortunate to, to have access to. Yeah. So I hit the ground running. I want to go show everybody I was fine. You know, this whole, uh, my whole mentality, the whole family kind of structure I grew up in was, you know, accomplish, achieve, do the things you're supposed to do and everything's going to be okay. And so I just went out to conquer the world. I got a master's in counseling uh, at San Diego State. I moved from Texas. Everything I knew back there, I said, I'm going to go help other people. Yeah. I'm going to take this experience, help other people because people help me. So good intentions, um, but I moved out to San Diego. I'm completely you know, isolated from everything I knew back home, disconnected from all my friends and family, and I got access to the painkillers mm. and the alcohol. Um, and uh, I don't share this in, in, I don't share this majority of the time I, I talk, but I'll share it here. I just feel called to do so. I had a settlement, a large settlement as a result of my car accident. So I had some money as well as I graduated college. And um, you send somebody out who's addicted to painkillers and alcohol and, and Adderall, <clears throat> Uh, marijuana. Uh, I sent him out into the real world, just graduating college with a newly amputated leg, trauma from an accident. Yeah. Um, usually there's a good chance something's not going <laughs> to something's not going to pan out. Especially right. in San Diego too, man. That's a, that's the spot to be. I mean, in, in sense, <laughs> exactly. right? Yeah. Dude, I had, a, I had a condo on the beach. I had a condo on Mission Bay across the street from the oh, beach. Man. I mean, um, going to, going to grad school, I'd gotten married from somebody new at Baylor. She moves out and graduate grad school addicted to various uh, prescription pills and alcohol and stumbled into some acting and stunt work in LA. So if you're about to tune out, tune in, this is crazy. Um, I've been on the movie super bad with Jonah, got a scene in super bad with Jonah Hill, uh, worked on NCIS and ER, a number of projects using my amputated leg to get some work. And I was like, Hey, I'm gonna get my foot in the door and the industry found there was a niche and kind of rode that out um, for a while. Worked on, let's see. Yeah. But a number of other projects been backstage at the SBs with the rock and Oprah I've been at the Playboy Mansion with Adam Sandler and Emma Stone and Bruce Willis and all these people. So I've been licked in a cab by Andy Dick. Uh, yeah, I've been to, I've been bowling at Phil Jackson's house, ten-time NBA, you know, championship coach. I've been bowling at his house, just crazy stuff. But all you know, all feeding my addiction and my ego, yeah. 
Um, but I, yet underneath all that, I was completely can, can insecure. I, can I ask you something too? I don't mean to interrupt you, man, but I just, yeah. um, so all that stuff you just said is it's, it's really cool, right? Like it's, those are like experiences and, um, you know, a time in your life where, where, you know, you, you, you met some cool people and you hung out. Um, I just feel like we're so wrapped in like media culture and fame and fortune and all that stuff. And I, and I, I think I know the answer to this already, but I, I just want to ask you anyways, like all that stuff, did it, did it fill any void in your heart at that time in your soul? Did it fill it up maybe temporarily, but what was the outcome of that? Maybe you could speak to that a little bit. It did. And it's time for me. Celebrityism was is like a big deal because like my grandfather was a famous uh, Baptist preacher. He came up with Billy Graham. He came up at the same time as Billy Graham in Minnesota. So he was looked at as kind of a, a pinnacle in his community. And um, and anytime we went anywhere in town with my grandpa, it was, hey, doc, you know, hey, doctor, how are you? You know, mm. and so I had, we had this kind of put grandpa up on this pedestal. And so I did that my entire life. Anybody that was of any had any message or anything I put them up on this pedestal. So for me to dive into Hollywood and dive into all these people like Adam Sandler, heck yeah, I want to hang out with them. Yeah. It absolutely filled, it filled the insecurity that I had myself that I could be somebody if I was next to somebody. Yeah. I but could I'm feel saying- at ease. Yeah. I could feel better about myself if I associated with certain people. But, and so, was, but in that time, it, it worked. Last. But I guess what I was getting at is ultimately in the long term, all that stuff is irrelevant, right? That's kind of Absolutely. what, yeah, okay. That's kind of what I was <laughs> I, getting at. Like, I, yes, yeah. I have so much more healthy um, bonds and friendships and recovery, yeah. right? I mean, this is, this is the stuff I was really looking for was love and compassion and yeah. uh, holding me accountable and people following up with me. And that's what I get in recovery that you're never going to find out there ever. Totally. Never going to find that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good, man. Sorry. So I didn't mean to interrupt you, but so, I yeah. just, I just love that. Cause I just feel like, you know, we as human beings and just being on this crazy weird planet we're on and, um, it, you know, those of us on a more spiritual journey, trying to take that path, we find these things that we think are going to fulfill us, whether it's alcohol, drugs, fame, hanging out with famous people, whatever it is. And ultimately at the end of the day, it's all really meaningless and it doesn't, that doesn't really do the job for the long term. So I just, um, I thank you for sharing that yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I can, I can attest to the being out in LA and not filling the, uh, filling the wrong void, yeah. <laughs> filling the void in unhealthy ways. It's a weird place. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so what's crazy is so a couple of weeks uh, after this playboy mansion experience, um, got a call. My brother didn't show up for work one day. My brother was my best friend, my only sibling, and he struggled with mental health and substance use issues. We didn't get him any help. Our family, we just didn't want to talk about it. He's a smart guy. And he, uh, I go over to his house um, in Beverly Hills, he's renting a room in a, in a house. And so I go knock on his door and it was locked and, um, called his cell phone mm-hmm. and it rang on the other side of the door. I could hear it and, um, no answer. So kicked in the door with my prosthetic leg kicked from one trauma right into another one that uh-huh. like wood splintering out across the room. And my brother was, was, uh, had been dead for three days, um, in the shadows in a Beverly, in, in the shadows of the Hills and in, in, in Beverly Hills and lonely and isolated and, uh, we never encouraged him to get the help that he needed because we didn't want to talk about it. And so that's why I share my story. That's, that's what my motivation and getting out sharing my story is about is saving somebody like my brother who didn't have a chance because we didn't want to talk about it. So telling families it's okay to talk about it. If somebody has a, a, you know, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, these are chronic diseases left untreated, um, lead to death, can lead to death. Same thing with addiction. So, um, yeah, brother passed that sucks. I'll spare all the details there. We got out of LA, moved here to Nashville. I've been here 14 years. Nice. Brought me with me and struggled with holding down jobs. 
Um, next thing you know, Dave Ramsey's a radio radio guy. You know, get people out of debt, total money makeover. Great Christian guy, Christian organization. I got in there and with uh, less than a year, got called into his office and um, and got fired as a result of my substance use um, on the job. And so that when I finally raised my hand, went to treatment for the first time in 2011. Ended up in five rehabs in seven years. Did a lot of work, did a lot of trauma work, some brain mapping, all kinds of stuff. Done all kinds of different things, but I just kept coming back to uh, my ego. My ego kept getting in the way. I still thought I was better than other people. I still thought I had a leg up on other people because I had had some better experiences. You know, I'm just just felt like I was better than other people. And um, God just keep te- kept taking things away from me. All right, I'm gonna take away your bro- I'm gonna take away your leg. I'm gonna take away your brother. I'm gonna take away your job. Then yeah, I go to these rehab centers and I end up having a good couple, two, three years uh, sober. And last time you and I interviewed, I was working for a group of addiction treatment centers, going around the country, sharing my story at colleges, universities. And here goes my ego. My ego is going back up. And it wasn't the message was about me. Really, you know, my intent behind the message was to drive people to treatment. Yes, but there was this piece of me that was like, "Look at me! Look what I've done!" And I started having some success. I was hosting a podcast. I was on, you know, great podcasts like yours, traveling the country. And God's like, "I'm gonna take that away too. You're not ready for that either." Dang. So He removed the job, and um, not by I didn't get fired from this job. So that was uh, for, yeah. for my substance use. So that was good. However, it led to a relapse and um, led to a divorce. Lost my wife, my house, my kids, and COVID hits, and I was alone for the first time in my life. I put on 55 pounds, like seemingly overnight, was more depressed I'd ever been in my life, and I was doing so well, and I fell so far so fast. And it all started with one phone call. Guys, if you're struggling, it start, just pick up that you know thousand pound phone and make one phone call. And I made one phone call to one friend. He comes over and it's like, dude, yeah, you, you don't look well. <laughs> he was like, you know what, what are, what are two things you can do today? Just what are just two things you can do? And we made a little list of just two simple little tasks I could do and started with that. And so started getting back into the gym, slowly getting back into things. And, um, I ended up Something wasn't working. Something wasn't working Why I kept relapsing. And so I said, what else can I change? And so I went to celebrate recovery. Nice. So, you know, it doesn't matter how you get sober. Just keep trying. Keep trying. I've tried. I've, do guys, I've, I've met with gurus in Bali. I have flown to Bali to meet with, with gurus. They call them Pac-Mans. I've, I've sat in huts with Pac-Men to, like, figure out what the heck's going on with me. <laughs> and I've traveled the world to try to find, the, find these answers. Yeah. And it all comes come back to get back for me back into the church where I grew up in. Um and I kept trying to make AA work and for millions of people it works. And, and I do, I still do, I still go to AA meetings. I still take an AA meeting um, a couple times a month to a treatment center. And I listen to online AA meetings several times a week. So it's still a part of my program, but celebrate recovery. For those of you who don't know is a Christ centered 12 step group um, that hurt, that helps with any hurt habit or hang up. So it's not addic- it's not alcohol or, or narcotic specific, but it could be shopping. It could be binge watching Netflix. It could be, uh, overspending, overeating. Um, so any hurt habit or hang up, this Christian organization is, is like a 12 step group, but here's the kicker is they have normal meetings like AA meetings and breakout share groups once a week. But it's when I got involved in a men's step study yeah. and the men's step study is a year long program that I, that you commit to. It's about a year and you meet every week for two hours with a group of men. And that's where the healing is. It's like this consistent work. So you in AA, you work the 12 steps with a sponsor one-on-one um, here you're working the 12 steps with a group. And so I've got nine other guys in this group where they are hearing all my crap. And I'm hearing a guy sharing something really personal about infidelity maybe he had or something like that. 
I'm like, man, that guy's being bold and sharing that. Well, I need to share this. So there, it was more accountability, more support. Um, by the time we got done with that group, we, it was like going through spiritual battle together. You know, it's like, these are my brothers. I know all the crap him and his family have been through because of his stuff. He knows all my stuff. I can pick up the phone call any of them. And I had to move twice in three months last year. And these are the guys that showed up to move me twice in three months with their trucks. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's been kind of a, kind of the arc of my journey. Um, I relate today, to you on that, on that nine month. Uh, I think ours was like nine, nine month step study. My wife and I did it simultaneously, but she did the women's side, obviously. And I did the men's side, but we went on the same night. I think it was back in 2018. So our kids were a little younger and I just dropping them off every week, you know, at my mom's or wherever. And then, and then hitting and it gets, it was a lot of work, you know, I'm sure you can relate to that. It's like a lot of work, but guys like out there listening, like you got to put the work in to get the results. Like you got to put the reps in. It's just like going to the gym. Like you're going to go every day and you're going to do a little bit each time and you put the reps in and you're so right on the accountability piece of that, that group. I just talked to one of my my boys yesterday, Phil, um, on our Monday meeting about, you know, his mom passed away during that, during that, um, nine month step study. And he said, he's like, dude, if I didn't have that group during that time, I don't know what would have happened because it was such a tight knit group and there was a lot of support there. So, um, I'm, yes. glad, I'm glad you shared that. And, and thanks for, uh, you know, for putting that out there too, for other dudes out there who might be interested in CR. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, AA is great. I love it. But yeah. that, have it going through the step study with a group of men. And so here's what's crazy is I go through the first step study. I get uh, my relapses, you know, under control and God called me to sign up for a second step study. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, should I sign up for a second step study? I was right on the edge of it. And then they called and they're like, Hey, we need a co-leader for the next step study. Nice. Would you be willing to co-lead? And I'm going, wait, just a few years ago, I was off my rocker again. And you're asking me to lead a step study. You're like what? And oh, yeah, uh, so the awesome. promises start coming true. So I'm in my second step study. We're about 10 months into it. Oh, cool. And uh, we, have, we got a meeting tonight that I'll be, uh, you know, co-leading with, with my buddy and, um, it is that extra accountability. So if you're a chronic relapser, something's not working. Like you got to put more in, don't give up, keep, keep going guys. Yeah. Um, um, I remember so anyway. hearing, I remember hearing God say that and or, or, I mean, that's like, I just heard it, felt it. And I've always used that, those three words just show up because there's so many times like when I didn't want to go or when you don't want to show up somewhere, when you don't, you know, you're, you're just, you're not into it. And th- those are the times like when you need to go the most and so yes. I always use that a lot. Like, just show up. God will do the rest. God will work if you allow him to work and open yourself up to it. Um, what yes. Would, what would you say to anyone out there who might be um, on the fence? And whether it's a traditional 12-step, NAAA, whatever, whether it's CR or something, do you have any any advice or any thoughts on just uh, like what you might be able to to tell somebody? Like somebody that's on the fence of going to a yeah, j- just you know, because that's a big thing I think, especially for dudes putting themselves out there, like j- showing up and like showing face and being like, hey, yeah. like I'm I'm a little bit messed up right now and I need some help. It doesn't, you know, it, and there's there's a lot of ego, there's a lot of pride I think in that. Yeah. And so, how does a dude who's like on the fence about that just get over himself and just go for it? So if you're in a place where if you're a man, if you have a family responsibilities or you're just responsible for yourself or your parents, there's somebody else that's, that's relying on you. Real men step up to the plate and take care of their crap. That's what a real man does. They don't run from it. And so if you, real men hurt, real men cry, real men, like we have real feelings, but we push them down. We push them down. Yeah. So I had a buddy call me 
recently, a few weeks ago, and he was like, man, I, I don't want to, I don't want to act like I'm complaining to you or anything, but I, I went through this and this and recently, and I, like, I don't know what to think about it. And I was like, dude, you're freaking normal. Like, I'm so <laughs> proud of you for reaching out and just making a phone call. Yeah. Because here's the truth is we're, you're already a part, if you're a listener, you're already a part of support groups right now, whether you know it or not. You know, whether somebody that's, you get your drinking buddies, that's a support group that supports your drinking. If it's the, you know, bowling club, that's a support group that supports your bowling. You know, if you're, you know, uh, part of a gardening club, whatever, we're already a part of support groups, but we look at 12 step support group is like, oh, I'm less than, and I'll tell you what I've learned in 12 step. Here's a little secret is this is like the secret sauce of life. If you can tap into the the principles that are taught here, you're going to have a leg up on everybody else out there. Yeah. So (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of a little secret, secret little kind of society we have, but uh, we do want to share it with others. It's something we want to keep to ourselves, and uh, we have a, there's a lot to offer in twelve step recovery work. But if you if you have that uh, that mental block of like I don't want to go support group, you're already part of a support group. Why, why not get one that's healthy for yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great, man. That's so good, and uh, it is. It's such a big part, and it, you're right. It is a little secret. Like I've always said, after I had. It started to learn a little bit and go, man, like this is a whole new world out there. Um, you know, there's not like there's well, other for me, other than the the Bible, there's not like a manual for life. I mean, that would be a manual for life in some sense, but like the day-to-day stuff, we tend to get caught up in sometimes. It's just human nature. And um having like having some tools to work through some of this stuff is so huge, man. So um so anyways, yeah, so, and so, so, oh, yeah, yeah. so yeah. ongoing, so these tools are continuing to benefit me today. So as you and I were talking about before the call is I'm just starting to put myself back out there in the public speaking world at, uh, as a public speaker and, um, and a life coach. And for me to start putting myself out there on social media several months ago, like I literally, so I'm working through my step study group and I'm telling them how terrified I am. I'm like, God, I feel like God's calling me to put myself back out there again, but I'm afraid because I've messed up the shame, the shame, the guilt. What's my, you know, ex-in-law is going to think if I'm putting, you know, more content out there that I'm sober and that, that I'm sober by the grace of God today. And they're like rolling their eyes. You know what? That's, I had to, I had to work through that. And yeah. I, if it was just me, I would still be stuck and I wouldn't be moving. Um, and really being stuck is you're not stuck. You're just fearful. I felt I was stuck, but I was really fearful. So going to my support group, going to my men's step study for several weeks in a row and going, I'm scared to put myself out there, but God's calling me to do it. I don't know if I can do it. And I had a buddy pull me aside and he goes, all right, why don't you get somebody who's because TikTok like freaked me out. I'm like, I don't want to do TikTok. I'm 45. Like TikTok's like yeah. I'm a little old for it, but they're like, that's what you need to do. I put it off for over a year. Like, yeah. I'm not getting on TikTok. So finally, my buddy goes, get somebody who knows TikTok, who knows social media, a younger person, a friend of yours, have them come over to your house or call them to help you. Yeah. So I literally had to have my buddy Parker come to my house, help me film my first several videos on this couch where I'm sitting and him like post it for me because I was terrified. Yeah. I'm like, uh, here we go. And what if I relapse again? You know what? If I relapse again, I relapse again. And that's okay. But I'm doing what I need to do today to stay sober. I may relapse six months from now. I may relapse tomorrow. But I'm doing today what God's calling me to do. And that's, I think, the best I could be doing, right? Uh, I, I love it, man. Like staying in the moment day, uh, you know, we got today. That's like the cliche thing. I know it's a little cliche, but it's so true. You know, it is. And, um, you know, I think that to your point of, I know I've struggled with that. It, you, you've struggled with, you said, I think a lot of other dudes struggle with that too. Like the thought of what are they going to think? And it's usually our closest people to us, our family, like our really yes. close friends. And like, I could really give two craps, like what most other people that I don't know, I'm like, whatever. But the ones closest to me, 
is the hardest sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. to what are they going to think? What are they going to say? Well, they, they really know the ins and the outs of everything. And now I'm trying. So it's almost like that imposter syndrome, actually, now that I think about it, yeah. it, it, it kind of creeps in and you're like, you know, so how, I don't know. I don't know if that, like, how does that, is that kind of describe it yeah. a little bit in some sense? Absolutely. And that's where I found support outside my family because my yeah. family loves me, but they don't yeah. get recovery. They don't yeah. get the principles. They don't get the steps. Yeah. So when I would go to my, you know, close, closer like family members and you know let's say my mom friends she's like well why are you going to do that why are you going to try to accomplish that i'm like well mom i mean that's what i'm being called to do but she doesn't understand so that's where i need to find that account that's where i need to find other support people who are going to support me from where i'm at to where i want to go and a lot of times it's not our family members but yet we think we need to okay our family needs you know family's everything family it's like you know what yes they it is in some sense but in other sense it's like i need support from people outside my family and that's yeah. okay too yeah totally you know, kind of drawing a boundary of like, all right, this is what, this is what my family's for. I'm going to go to them for these things. But outside, you yeah. know, in, in recovery world, I need to go to other people who get me. Yeah. You get kind of get an outside perspective. Um, and you're also getting folks who you can relate to because they've been through similar experiences. And so I think what it does is it, and we talked about this in our, in our meeting yesterday, um, you have a sense that you're not alone. Like you hear, like you, you actually mentioned it, a dude, you know, you, in a group setting, you're having dudes sharing like their heart, like their most personal stuff. Like, man, I can't even like some of the crap that I heard in the step study about like st stuff that had happened to these grown men, you know, or things they did or whatever. I was like, whoa, like it's crazy. And, and so and it, it sets the tone though. And it goes, okay, well, if this guy's sharing this, just like you said, okay, I'm going to get this out too. And once we get it out, we can help start healing from it too. So that's so mm -hmm. good. Um, so I want to honor time today. I know we're a little short on it. We got about eight, nine minutes. And um, there, there was three points that I, I thought maybe we could hit on um, just kind of based on um, on some of the notes that, that you wrote down to the root causes of anxiety and depression, um, relapse after success in sobriety, which we've hit on a little bit too. And then I love this one the best, like God's grace in overcoming addiction. Um, so let's kind of hit on those three real quick, but let's start with the top one. Like in your experience, um, dealing with anxiety, depression, trauma, um, what are your thoughts of that? What are some of those root causes and how can someone take a look at those if they're struggling with it? Yeah. So my platform right now online, if you look me up on any social media, it's uh, John Mabry connects. And so the connection piece is really what my message is about. And the root cause of most anxiety, depression, addiction issues can be led back to disconnection. Um, in one form or another, and I'll spare you all the details, but just that's just kind of a broad overview. Um, repeat the question again. Um, so, just I, I think there's like I, even social, even people drinking because they have social anxiety, right? Or they're and, and then they or they're drinking because they have depression, but they're caught in this cycle because we all know that alcohol makes you depressed in the long run too. So, so yeah. So here's 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 a the solution is anxiety and depression in my experience is not a life sentence and i thought it was i thought oh i have i've been diagnosed with anxiety and depression i need to have this forever and it was like a little yeah. pet i would carry around like here's my anxiety here's my depression here's my substance use disorder and i would just lug these things around with me if you're struggling with them they're not a life sentence mm. and the book i would recommend for people is johan hari's book lost connections and it's an amazing book and he talks about the nine scientifically proven reasons for anxiety and depression and um, how to overcome those. And only two of them are biological. The other seven you can do on your own. One of them is be out in nature. Uh, one of them is having meaningful work. If you're in a job that's that's not meaningful for you, you're more likely to be anxious and depressed. Yeah. Um, 
uh, antidepressants, right? You can use medications. They use this example in Cambodia. They took some uh, antidepressants to Cambodia in the early 2000s. And they were like, oh, no, we already have antidepressants here. And they're like, what are you talking about? They're like, well, this guy got his leg blown off in the rice fields. And he uh, was terrified to go back in the rice fields and work because of more explosions. So he was just depressed. He laid around all day. So the community got together and they bought him a cow. And the cow was the antidepressant. So they got him a cow so that he could become a dairy farmer. And now, now he can make money while being off his leg and not being in the rice field where he's terrified and, oh, wow. and you know, PTSD. So they said, we already have antidepressants. Like we just work with people in their life situation and find out what's not working. And we plug something else in that does work. And so um, you may see your anxiety and depression as the problem or that you're the problem with it, but you're also the solution. Yeah. And you can get out of it when you go start uh, getting into a support group, going to a therapist, um, things like that we're talking about to go get the help that you need. Yeah. So, yeah, that's great, man. I know how many dudes out there just, they hate, like, like you said, the job thing, like you hate your job. It's just tough to. <laughs> Like that's a tough thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you need to make a change, you know, and that's where you can get support to go make that change. Your family may not support you because of the financial reasons or whatever, but you can go get outside support to go, here's, here's what I'm hearing. And you really could maybe, maybe ask for, you know, a different situation at work. Maybe it's not leaving the job. Maybe you need to ask your boss and you need the confidence to ask the boss for what you need. Yeah. You know, maybe it's not just leave, but maybe you need some changes and you need confidence to help ask for those changes and support can help you get that. Yeah. And, and I'll say too, guys, like, you know, all this comes in time and and work and patience. So it doesn't yeah, happen it's, overnight. Yeah. It's like, oh, it didn't happen in two weeks. I quit. Screw this. You know, like, no, nah, you got to ride it out and just show up. It's the same thing, you know. Um, so let's go on to the next one. Um, relapse after success in, in sobriety, man. I know obviously you've experienced that firsthand. Um, what are your thoughts on it? What could you say to anyone out there who's had same uh, similar experience? Just keep going, guys. It's like the, it's like this. You hear it all the time since you were a kid. Don't give up. Don't give up. Yeah. And you, I hear it from like Michael Jordan and he's like, you know, world leaders that I like look up to and they're like, just don't give up. And now here I am like having to go, oh, this is what they're talking about. When crap gets really bad and my kids and my, the court takes my children away. I mean, I was, I was completely mm-hmm. isolated. Everything was gone and I had to start all over um, that. It's, you know, guys, it's uh, um, not, uh, I lost my train of thought there. I'm gonna be honest with you. No, that's okay. I started thinking. I started thinking about my kids. I know I could tell. And maybe, maybe that leads into the the next one. The grace of God is. I'll tell you what. So I talked. I'll come on. I'll get all excited about. Hey, here's what I did in the past. I've been to Hollywood and I've done all this stuff. You know what I'm most proud of is the work I've done the last few years Mm. to get my kids to get time with my kids back. That is the most meaningful work in these steps. Two step studies that are almost two years of my life in these step study programs. And I went from the court, I had to have four hours a week supervised with my kids to now I get them week on, week off for the summer. And I, well, during the year, school year, I get them every other weekend. And then um, for the summer, last week, I got them for a full week, seven days. And that is the most meaningful thing in my entire life is working the program to get out of my crap, to get time back with my kids. That's something I want to put in a magazine. That's what I want people to hear is that if you keep working it, don't give up by the grace of God in this program, it's a spiritual program. You, God can save you and restore your life. And that's what he's doing to me now. And I'm grateful to be um, a part of the process because I showed up. Amen to that, man. That's so good to hear. And just showing up, doing the work. Um, I think in my, you know, in my experience too, like when we do that, God works and it doesn't always work out exactly like I expected it to or whatever, but it always has worked out in some way. And I want to share this with you, man, real quick. And, uh, and then, and then we'll wrap up today. Um, 
I don't know. Do you do you ever hear or listen to uh, Pastor Judah Smith? Um, I don't know. Uh, I really love um, his communication style and um, his uh, you know just just his um, his word. And uh, he was sharing he was sharing some um, in in I was listening to a, a podcast and uh, and he was talking about when he was a kid um, and his his father was a pastor as well I believe and when he got in trouble as a kid. He, his dad was pretty hard on him. Right. And, and he like, he, I think he even got, you know, spanked or, you know, he, he got in trouble and his dad let him know it and he was in it. But he said the one thing that when he messed up after he had that discipline, you know, um, brought down and he kind of, um, experienced that his dad let it go after that day. It never, it never held, he never held it over him. It wasn't like two days later or three days later, or even a month later, like, well, remember when you did this or you did that. And that's why this, and it's such a great example because he went on to, to, to compare that with God and God's grace on us as, as people, as human beings. And God doesn't hold over the things that we do and that we've done in our past. He doesn't hold it over our heads. He we're, we're forgiven for that when we surrender and, um, you know, and, and try to walk in this new light. And so I'm sure there's someone else out there listening who, you know, hopefully they can hear that and go, man, that's a little, you know, that's a little bit different perspective on it because God loves you, man, like straight up. And he loves John and he loves me and he loves all you out there listening. Yes. And, and that's, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, that's, that's all that really matters, man. So he's you. calling for you. Yeah. If you have a pull on your heart today, uh, today's maybe the day to take action. Reach out to Shane. Reach out to myself. Um, yeah. Reach out to Celebrate Recovery or or a you know AA twelve step group. If God's yeah. pulling at your heart to to get some support today, um, yeah. don't don't let this opportunity pass you by, guys. Yeah. So I know. Um, I let's let's keep in touch. I'd love to do this again. Um, you know, sometime later on down the road, reconnect and maybe get a little a little bit more time with you. Um, where can folks reach out to you? Where can they find you? And we'll be sure to put all the links so they're very easy to find in the show notes. Yeah, just look up John Mabry Connects, you know, Instagram, Facebook, uh, yeah, YouTube, TikTok, all this stuff, TikTok, TikTok, yes. Yeah. Okay. So awesome. John Mabry Connects. Awesome, man. John, thanks so much, man. It's great to have you on the podcast today, man. I appreciate you. Honored to be here. Thanks for doing what you do. Share the podcast with a friend. Connect with us on Instagram at that sober guy podcast. Love you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you heard something that helps you today. Peace, love, and respect to keep your blood clean. Sugar.